This podcast is hosted by Dr. Happymon Jacob. Dr. Jacob is an associate professor of security studies at Jawaharlal Nehru University, New Delhi. His weekly column on India's national security and foreign policy issues is published by The Hindu. He is also the author of two new books on India-Pakistan border, Line on Fire by Oxford University Press and Line of Control by Penguin India. Hello and welcome to the National Security Conversation. The story of the Kashmir conflict is often narrated without mentioning the exodus of the Kashmiri pundits from their homes in the Kashmir Wadi in the early 1990s. According to the Kashmiri Pandit Sangarsh Samadhi, by 2008, the Kashmiri Pandit population was reduced to 651 families from 75,000 families in January 1990. So according to that account, nearly 70,000 Kashmiri Pandit families fled Kashmir in the early 1990s. Why did they have to leave the Kashmir Valley? Would they go back to Kashmir if there is peace and normalcy in the Kashmir Valley? And how do the Kashmiri Pandits view the Kashmir conflict? To discuss these questions and more, I have with me in the studio Mr. Siddhartha Gigu. Siddhartha Gigu is a novelist, a short story writer, anthologist and a filmmaker. In 2015, he won the Commonwealth Short Story Prize for his short story, The Umbrella Man. He's written several books and you can see those books right here. Welcome to the National Security Conversation, Thank Siddhartha. you. Thank you. Siddhartha, if I may begin by asking you if you could sort of take us through your personal story of fleeing Kashmir. What were the circumstances in which tens of thousands of Kashmiri Pandits had to leave their homes in the Kashmir Valley in the early 1990s? Uh, let, me, uh, let me go back. I have to go back in time and history. It's been uh, almost 30 years you now. Now imagine we are in 19... Uh, uh, 90 and it's winter it's the one of the coldest winters Kashmir has ever seen <coughs> and uh, we are in our house in Khanakai Sokta which is uh, which is a very small mohalla and when there are Kashmiri Muslims and Sunnis and Shias and Kashmiri Pandits who have been living together uh, I was uh, uh, 15 years old, I mean that time I had, uh, I was uh, almost in the process of uh, 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 writing my matriculation examination which is the 10th class <coughs> and the uh, center, examination center was near our house in a government school. I uh, uh, went in the morning to do my maths examination and I saw hor horrifying scenes, you know, there was no order, there was chaos. My dad accompanied me to the gates and he... This was 1990, this which, was, which month? This was 1989, 89. this was 1989. And my dad accompanied, because the exams had gotten delayed because of the, 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 the right. conditions, you know. Uh, <coughs> so my dad accompanied me, he uh, had asked a friend of his, who is a colleague, uh, who was his colleague, my dad taught uh, literature in various colleges. At the time he was taught teaching literature in Anatnag Degree College. So I go into the examination hall, and uh, there was there was no order there was chaos and the invigilator was missing and there was somebody else uh, in place of him who was distributing the sheets and uh, so i started writing and uh, the time came i had i needed a uh, you know i needed some more sheets of paper and i was denied that and then i saw 
a group of people walk into the examination center with guns. That was not the first time I had seen young youngsters with guns, you know. <clears throat> but that memory is very strong in my right. mind. And of course, I figured out what was happening. And then I was not given the, the, the there, was, there was still time, there were good 20 minutes, I was denied that. So that's the first time I felt that I was singled out, you know, because of who I am. You couldn't write the exam that day? Because I uh, could not finish it. I could not finish it. And then when I uh, reached home, I told my dad and then he uh, discussed with a few of his friends and, you know, nothing could be done by that time, you know. Uh, <coughs> then there were people who told my dad, don't worry, we'll figure out his answer paper, we'll get him in. No, my dad was worried about me that there was time, he should have been given a complimentary sheet, he was not given. That's one memory. But let me go back five years, uh, you know, prior to what uh, this this incident. 84. This is 1985. My dad would take me to watch Hollywood movies in various cinema theaters. You know, Palladium, and we had uh, uh, we had uh, Regal Cinema. Regal. Broadway was very yes. very famous. You know, there was beautiful days. You know, uh, we ha we had a great time, and he was my dad was a big fan of Hollywood movies. So we watched Papillon and many other movies. So there was this movie which which everybody talked of. So that was uh, Mustafa Akkad's Lion of the Desert, you know, in which Anthony Quinn played this great Libyan uh, resistance leader who fought against the fascists, you know, uh, and he played the role of uh, Umar Mukhtar. At the time, we had no clue what the movie is about. But everybody was watching it, you know, and then there were no tickets, people, uh, the, the, the tickets were sold in black. Somehow my dad arranged a couple of tickets for me and himself. We sat in balcony and we watched it, you know, and that was the first, I was, uh, I was 11 years old, that was the first historical movie I'm watching, you know, I have a, a little bit uh, brush with history by reading basic history books. Mm -hmm. uh, it was only years later I related to that movie, <laughs> but my dad knew what was happening. So that is 1985 when uh, most people, most Kashmiri Pandits, of course, they had a sense of history, you know, that sense of history was also there, the sense of persecution was there. Uh, uh, th we had little clue that this movie is going to, you know, it, it would become a very turning point of sorts, you know. Uh, years later, my dad wrote about in his di diary and I, I discovered his diary because he has been writing and he talked about that memory that when uh, uh, that movie, when, when, when Umar Mukhtar, when he's, you know, he's, he's fighting, he's struggling against the fascists, you know, he was compared with Sheikh Abdullah. No, right. But it was a different comparison of sorts. You know, here is somebody who fought for his people, uh, Umar Mukhtar, fighting for his people, you know, has a sense of identity, you know, has a sense of ideology and history and is taking uh, his, his neck out, you know, and in the face of adversity and certain death, you know, he gets killed and it is history. And then he is compared to Sheikh Abdullah uh, and, and the legacy of national conference which has a, which had a history of, you know, vacillating. India, Pakistan, Kashmiriyat, mm -hmm. India, Pakistan, you know. Mm -hmm. So he was, and that was uh, one one moment when people came out in the streets, not just to celebrate the, the insurgency movie. hadn't begun at that point. No, not at all. I'm talking of 1985. Right. Yeah. They had no, I mean, it was, it was beautiful. It was peaceful. Just one year prior to that, which is 1984, there were some riots in Anantnag, but local riots, you know. At that time, nobody th made, made a big deal out of it. Now, people look upon that incident and say that that could have been the, you know. But of course, because, you know, Kashmiri Pandits and Kashmiri Muslims lived together, they had a sense of history, collective history, and uh, 
we knew the, the the genesis of the Kashmir problem. There was always banter and talk, you know, in in in, in on shop fronts and in streets that you know, look, you guys are outsiders. There's a day going to come that you're going to leave. And that this talk this, was this happening. This is 1980s. This is 1980s. But that it was at the level of banter. I mean, in my school also, in my own school, you know, uh, you know. Uh, there were people who, the students who were saying that, you know, uh, you know there is going to be an uh, uprising. And it was not a prediction. It was not at all prediction. They, it was not, they had a sense of was it. Was it political in nature? Was it communal in nature? I'm talking of 1985, 86, 87. There was no communalism. There was, there was good harmony. There was no social discord. There was no. But of course, there is a, now that we look back and, you know, analyze, uh, two communities with two different identities, burden of history they are carrying, an ideology, religion, you know, uh, but at a level of ideology, there was difference, you know. Kashmiri Pandits were, you know, they were nicknames and, you know, they, we would be called, you know, Asians of India, but nobody made a big deal of it. You know, it's like, it's, 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 it's not a big deal. But this movie, the release of this movie, it brought something because that's the time for months together, there were people who were kind of, you know, it stirred something in Kashmiri Muslims, you know. It, it, uh, they, they realized a sense of uh, betrayal which has been done because Sheikh Hubla was the tallest leader that right. time. Right. Tallest leader, you know, that he is somebody who has... Uh, led us and who has spoken of Kashmiriyat, who has spoken of nationhood, this is 1980s, you know, but he has also uh, had pacts and then he is vacillating, that kind of thing and that the Umar Mukhtar brought out that distinction, you know, so that is one memory. Then the second memory is 1989, 1989, we, uh, one of my dad's students, he owned a hardware store, now this is uh, I've written about it. You know, he he owned a hardware store in in Navakadar. So he supplied some material for our house. So one day, that is the time my dad had requested my uncle, who who lived in Australia, to get him a copy of Salman Rushdie's uh, Satnik verses. Now that is something. It was it was not to be imported. You know, my mm -hmm. uncle bought it, yeah, and this is. I think we were the only family in entire Kashmir Valley in 1989. We read that book is still with us. So my dad, because you know, a big admirer of Rushdi, he told his friends. They were confidants, they were buddies, they 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 trustworthy, you know. So they also wanted to read. Many Kashmiri Muslims. Mm -hmm. Among them a few colleagues because they taught in Kashmir, they taught literature, you know. So, so it was an educated society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Except a few which my dad tell who were very horrified at the you know mm -hmm. the, the descriptions, you know, the way Aisha has been. I read it as a kid, you know, the way Aisha has been described. So one of my, my dad tells me, because he's written it uh, about it, my, uh, his, his, his colleague told me this is a very dangerous book, you know, we could be killed for that. And that is, that is a fact, you know, that's a, that's a fact, this is 1989. So then my dad had to hide that book and, you know, but it was read. So this, uh, coming back to the person who I'm talking about, his name was Bashir. He supplied hardware for the renovation of our house. Once I happened to mention in my school, I don't know what made me that, look, I have read Salman Rushdie's and it was like blasphemy and I realized the blunder, but I mentioned to a close group of friends. In the evening when I uh, walk out of the school, uh, you know, which is Karanagar National High School, there were two people who came and I realized they were militants. One was wearing a pheran and he said, look, you, we heard that you have committed a blasphemy. I said, what, what, what blasphemy have I? You know, you have talked about Prophet Muhammad. I said, what did I do? 
he said, you claim to read uh, Salman Rushdie's, uh, you know, satanic verses. And it was, a tr it was, it was, of course I had, but I could not, I, I mm. mean, I, I knew you that to, things yeah. are, so I said, look, I may have joked about it because I realized that my father could be in danger, you know. Mm. He said, look, uh, you are in trouble. But the guy's brother was my classmate. He said, I'm, we are leaving you with a warning. Huh? Don't even mention, we know you have lied. Mm -hmm. You may not have, huh? that, but never do this. So I was let go. So I happened to mention this to Bashir, who, who, was, who was my... The hardware he, shop. Yeah, hardware shop. He used to call me his younger brother. He said, I understand. Don't do that. He had no clue of Salman Rushdie. I said, no, there is a book and all that stuff. It talks about, you know, Prophet Muhammad. You know, he started laughing. He said, come on. So he was part of JKLF. He claimed to have been appointed as area commander of JKLF who, and, you know, this particular area, which is uh, Safakadal. He said, it's under me. He said, any trouble, you come take my name. You take my name there and then you, you know, say, and which is fact, you know, I, uh, I started, you know, uh, uh, what do you call name calling, I said, you know, he is, a, you know, it happened to me and I was saved. So then uh, he said uh, to me one day, you know, I told, I mean, I was, we were, we would talk about the happenings because that time militancy was in full bloom. So I said, are you, you know, what if it does not happen? What if? Because he used to say every day, next month Azadi. We will be in Kash free Kashmir, you know. We, I will be you, and I will leave. Well, what kind of vibes were you getting from the from the society itself, from the city itself? Clearly, because uh, th that time it was full bloom Azadi. There were protests on the roads. People had been killed. There was, you know, at the time Indian army had not been wheeled in, so it was local police and JK, uh, the the. But there were militant organizations. So I asked him. I said, you know, what about uh, what if it does not happen? Are you? Mm. So wh what he said to me, it's very relevant now when I wrote about it a, a couple of months ago, he, he, he said, look, he said, Amanullah Khan is spelled in his vision. It is a long struggle. It's not going to happen. Although, I, but I said, you, every day you yeah. are saying it will happen tomorrow. He yeah. said, that is what we have to keep on. We have to believe in it. Yeah. He said, if we don't get it, there will be a second wave of militancy. This is 1989. I said, what do you mean by second wave? He said, 10 years from now. I said, what if that second wave fails? He said, then there will be a third wave, which will be a deadly wave, the most deadliest wave. I said, what are you talking about? He said, deadly, because those people will fight a war on the soil which is smeared by the blood of their ancestors. I mean, that was not ISIS, that time we had no clue, Jaish was not in existence, Lashkar was not, there was only Hezbollah Mujahideen, JKLF, there was Al-Badr, Allah Tigers, yeah. but there were smaller outfits. Yeah. But this person who is school dropout, but he would come to my dad for tuitions and he respected him. He said, this is a long war, but he quoted Amanullah Khan. So, and he said, he said, schooling, education does not mean the real education lies in the struggle of our people. So that is when I realized that, you know, there is a larger and of course it got corroborated because everybody else also said that, you know, because there were these Mohalla get-togethers, you know, there were loudspeakers in the mouse. The second part is when one day, we heard a knock at our door and uh, we had a uh, huge house and there's a courtyard and uh, it was late in the night around uh, 7.30. 1990? yeah. It was winter of 1990 and by that time people had already started leaving and my dad peeped through the chink and there are these two guys. We waited for a few minutes and uh, we discovered, my dad discovered that they are having a pistol with them. But he doesn't recognize them, you know. And, uh, <coughs> So my mom got very worried, you know, and at that time, we, 
she said, what do we do? Should we shout? Should we scream? Should we call the neighbors? Because clearly these people... The neighbors were Muslims or... Neighbors were Muslims primarily. There was only one Kashmiri Pandit family left there. Uh, with whom I was then sent off in the days to come. The rest had all. So, our immediate neighbor was, was a Muslim. So, my mom said, we should scream. You know, my dad said, don't worry. You know, but why are they here? You know, my dad also knew that he was, he had been told that although he had not seen that list, he had been told that you are on the hit list. But there was a problem with that because there were some people who had told him, you may be on the hit list because there were a lot of doctors and, you know, uh, bureaucrats who were on the hit list. My dad taught literature. There are people who had come, don't worry, hit list, nothing, you are our teacher. Anybody comes, they have to go. So there was that assurance, right. Right. which happened later. So, so this went on for a few hours. At for the night. entire night, yeah. Right. But what happened is, apart from the knocking, they did not do anything. And in some time, maybe in the morning, they left, both of them. Then the next day, my dad confided in some of his friends. He said, this happened. And they said, you know, maybe they are outsiders. Maybe they are not from Safagadal, Nawagadal. Maybe they are from Zainakadal. They might be, you know, who, they, 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 may, they may be anybody, but don't worry. But what do you mean by don't worry? What if it happened again? Because uh, a few months... You can't live like that. Yeah, a few weeks earlier... His colleague and his his uh, he was a retired professor of history, Professor <coughs> Neil Kantlala. He was he was shot dead. We were there at that time, and he was he was shot dead moments because before he 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 and his wife were to leave for Jammu, they were migrating because threats had been given to them. So my wife quoted that incident. He said cited that incident. He said, "What if they come to they come for you? Right, right. Who will save you?" So there was this one particular gentleman, an old person. He told my dad. He said, "Look." Uh, for your own good, you might have to leave, for your own good, because your wife is right. Who will save you? We can't save ourselves. I think it was that time my dad realized that, you know, that it is time they left, but they still did not want to leave. They sent me and my um, sister away uh, with uh, a family, uh, family, and we were sent to Jammu. Do you feel, do the Kashmiri Pandits generally feel betrayed by the neighbors um, in Kashmir itself? I mean, there, there has been a lot of talk about how, uh, in some cases at least, they felt betrayed. Do you, what are your personal collections Yeah, see, we have to look at now three generations. One is the generation of my grandfather, you know, my grandfather. People of my generation, their grandparents who were in their 50s or their 60s when they left. Then there is the generation of my father, you know people my generation, their fathers. And then there is this new generation. You know, I'm not talking of my generation, I'm talking of children who are 10 and 15 years old. They are now, you know, children of Kashmiri Pandits, you know. There is, there are, there are two, three camps still in Jammu. So those camps, the children born in those camps still have a, a very convoluted sense of home because it's still a camp, you know, Jagdi is one. There are two Muthi camps. These are buildings now, you know, for, for, there were people who, ch children who were born in those camps, you know, Muthi and. Yep. I've been to those camps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Including the one-room tenements, yeah. you know, which were demolished in 2011. Hmm. So, these were people who have lived for substantial part, you know. So, if you talk to the, a generation, my, for once, my grandparents' generation, there's some of them who are still alive in their 80s now. Of course, they are, you know, and the, the people who are uh, in Delhi and other places in Jammu and Jagdi, old people, they are almost on the verge of fading away. And uh, nobody knows what, because they've spent a large part of their life in Kashmir. They've all they wanted to live and die there. No, they feel a sense of betrayal. Definitely, they feel a sense of betrayal. They are voices people. What about the other generations, like and yourself? The generation of my father, definitely, they feel a sense of betrayal. 
we what is that sense of betrayal that they didn't stand by us no that they, they, not, they didn't they didn't stand what has happened is that over the last you know in the 90s none of no no kashmiri pandit went there it was only in you know in i think 2005 onwards that Kashmiri pundits would go there only to see what is left, you know, after, mostly as tourists. Now going to your own homeland as tourists, they were, they were there people who went there and who after 15 years, you know, when by the time they had all lost hope, they saw their houses in a bad shape, uh, vandalized, they saw their houses gone, they saw places of worship gone, temples gone, they saw desecration. And barring a few people, including me, you know, they, at an individual level, there are instances of humanity and compassion and a sense of brotherhood. But there are a lot of people who told me that, look, when we went, we were unwelcome. Now, the generation which is there, you know, which I am talking of 10, 15 year olds, you know. They have no they, idea. They have no idea. They do not even yeah. speak Kashmiri. Yeah. They have no clue what happened to their parents, you know, except there are cases where parents do share those stories because then they are, they are the, the generation, they, they like Jews, they need to have that sense of persecution, which is very important, which is why people are writing about it. But they still have no idea and I am not sure whether they want to go back. They may not have the sense of betrayal the sense of uh, deceit, <coughs> but their parents still have. You know, Siddhartha, talking about this, this sense of uh, betrayal, one often hears the argument that uh, the one of the reasons why there was a certain amount of uneasiness um, against the Kashmiri Pandits was because the Kashmiri Pandits were controlling the levers of power in, in, in Kashmir at that point of time. Do you think that led to a certain amount of... Um, I have heard, uh, I have read, there are people, I think there are a lot of research articles when people have tried to analyze, you know, what they are missing the whole point. Even if, for instance, let us imagine that was there. First of all, you have to say it is a minority at the time, you know, uh, and it is still a minority. Even if that is the case, even if some of us were working for the government, but there was no, we were not agents of the state as we were branded, you know, agents of the state, you know, these are spies, you know, they are disclosing information. We already knew what was happening in 1980s. Kashmiri Pandits, because, you know, Kashmiri Pandits primarily service class, okay. service class, you know, a very minuscule population had shops, including my grandfather who owned a shop, he was a pathologist, you know. My dad for years was, uh, he did not get a permanent job, he was discriminated against, he has written about it. He was an, he was an ad hoc professor for 15 years, only after 15 years, I mean, he tried his hard, but there were, he, there were people who told me this is a discrimination because there are so many others who have gotten a job. Finally, he was made permanent and there were so many like him. So, that is not the reason to kind of, you know, throw a community out. This. Uh, why this happened is that because this was the unfinished agenda of Pakistan, you know, Jamaat Islami. Uh, JKLF did not support it, you know, there is evidence. So, JKLF was not in favor of throwing out the Kashmiri Pandit. No, JKLF always because in the in their in their literature, if you see, you know, including some of the speeches, uh, they said, you know, JNK ka azadi hame, but we will live together. You know? That is why the, the, the discord happened between them and many other militant organizations, including uh, Jamaat Islami backed Hizbul Mujahideen and Harkatul Insar. And because then they brought in 1989, they published press releases. They gave us uh, 36 hours to leave, and 5th yeah. of March was the deadline said, those of you who leave by the 5th of March as okay, rest will be, will we'll kill you and that is what happened. I mean, including massacres in Vandhama and uh, Nadi Marg and you know, Sangram Porai, that is right, uh, later. Right. So, all that documented. Happened. so, it was simple, you throw them out, we will and 
of course, there was this thing about you know Islamization of the valley. That is why now, why do you think so many temples have been destroyed, ransacked? You know, I went and I went to each and every temple. There are some of the photographs in this book along the yeah, It is all destroyed temples, you know, except a few which have now been started, renovation has started. But what was the government doing? So, this is, this is nothing but a systematic, there was a plan. That plan was created, I think, in the 70s or the 80s, but the plan was to launch it in 1980s, get, throw them out. We were asked to leave, we were forced to leave and there were those of who, who resisted, who said including my dad, you know, hit lists, Kashmiri Pandit names, loudspeakers, mosques, Kashmiri Pandits, you go, press releases in the pa Al Safa and uh, Aftab, they brought out press releases and there are many of us who still have the, you know, press clippings. They said 5th of March, you got to be outside otherwise and there were people who were, who were, who were killed kidnapped in each and every locality. I am not talking of just downtown Srinagar, I am talking of people in Pulwama, in <coughs> Tral, in Anatnag, you know, and then there was the renaming of uh, the certain places, you know, that also happened. You know, may, today if you look at um, um, the, the utterances of many Kashmiri leaders, be it uh, Mirwais Umar Farooq or Shabir Shah, uh, people like um, 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 several other, other, other separatists have yeah. said that Kashmiri culture is incomplete without the Kashmiri yeah, They, right, they should come back. Yeah, they are right. Yeah, uh, you think yeah. they are serious about it? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, come back how and come back to which place? You know, I think it was a couple of years ago, it was 2016 when I think uh, BJP government, uh, they, they, they uh, first of all, uh, Congress, you know, was responsible for uh, Manmohan Singh, you know, Prime Minister's relief fund for, for, for Kashmiri Pandits and the package, you know. So, they asked, the, they, they, they created this job thing over there and, uh, but, you know, non-transferable jobs. So, you get, you know, okay, you want to go back, you know, these kids apply for their jobs and then you are posted in certain, you, there is an exam and interview, then they are given jobs and there are many young kids who are working, including some of my friends, non-transferable. For the Kashmiri Muslims, these jobs are transferable, so you could get posted back in Jammu or Ladakh, but these people… Only in Kashmir. Only in, why? So, it is like, you know, because you, we, this, is this the way you rehabilitate them by giving them non-transferable jobs? Because you can't, according to the rules, you can't, so that is one. Second is that when a few years ago, you know, BJP government said we will establish colonies and things like that, and then uh, separatists and many others, they brought out pro processions. And the same evening, I think at Vesu, uh, the Kashmiri Pandit, these uh, small ghettos were targeted. Mm -hmm. So, even if they are serious, come back, come back to what? Half the places are gone, the, the houses are gone, there is no sense of security. You know, so uh, this is just also Kashmiri Pandits, this, it is just a card now, you know, when you talk of this, no, we can't have these uh, separate zones, they, everybody should come back and the Kashmir is theirs as but well. Kash but separate zones are probably not a, not, not a good idea, is that? See, in the absence of a solution, only for Kashmiri Pandits. I do not mind a separate zone. Why should not I have a separate zone? So, in, in Delhi, you have a uh, separate zone for in Chitranjan Park, in RK Puram for, you know, various. Refugees. Why can't, why can't I, in, what is, uh, for years, what was Rajput uh, Nagar, Khan Market? Why can't, ha same logic, I do not mind a separate zone. So, you do not mind a separate zone within Kashmir for the Kashmiri? Absolutely. Pandits. Absolutely. That is the only step now which seems feasible because going back, you know, people have nowhere to go back to. They have no, I think we are losing time also. Next two, three years, those people will be dead 
and the uh, next generation may not even want to go to that. So, it is better they establish a separate zone somewhere. I am not calling for the bifurcation or the trifurcation yeah, of state, sure, of only a separate zone to which begin is with security. Under, yeah. Forget about the Kashmiri separatists. Do you think the people in general in Kashmir uh, would welcome Kashmiri Pandits back? Only in the generation I am talking of which was you know my, my parents generation and my grandfather. Yeah, the current, no familiarity the current the generation whenever I have gone there, who are these people? You know, I went uh, to, to many uh, places, remote places uh, a few years ago. They were, I came because I was shooting my short film. And so we had this bunch of kids, you know, they asked me, Bhaiya, abhi Kashmiri ho, aap, aap, aap kaise Kashmiri bolto? Aap, aap Muslim ho? They had no sense yeah. of, you know, who are these people? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you can't blame them. Because, so, you know, after a few years, that will not exist. That will not exist. So, the, uh, we are, you know, this generation who still knows. So, we ha don't have time, you know. And uh, Okay, coming back to the question of separate zones that you mentioned, do you think that, and you are saying the time is running out, but so you do not mind going back now without waiting for proper normalcy returning to Kashmir? They will, it will never be normal. Right from 1947, this is the, I'm, we had that so hope. So, going back itself is In the camps, people had hope. You know, there were people in the camps when I was in a, when I lived next to a camp, there were people for two, three years, they did not open their trunks in the, in those uh, shanties, I mean, I'll talk about the, the, the tents. You know, so they, the tents were because the people, no, no, don't open it. Why we are to go back? No, why we open? And I have written about it. So, there are hundreds of families who did not. The tragedy is that those people died in that hope. You know, so 90s was uh, impossible, 2000, 2019, 30 years, and next year uh, we will sell, uh, commemorate 30 years. 30 years. So, it is not going to be in the current geostrategic, you know, it is not likely that it is going to be. Violence will not end. Terrorism is growing, third wave is upon us, which is the deadliest wave with ISIS, Jaish e Mohammed, and you know, you, you have seen, you know. But Siddhartha, again, um, a lot of people say that um, a lot of the Kashmiri pundits who sort of um, uh, came out of the Kashmir Valley are probably well settled in various parts of the country. Do you think there will be a lot of people who actually want to go back to, to Kashmir at this point of time? See, one is physically being able to go back, you know. Uh, Jews took so much time and the right from uh, Egypt time, you know, that, that is one aspect of it. Second is you claim a homeland, this is our homeland. I may not be able to go, my kids should be able to go. I will still have a house there. It is a matter of principle, it is not about… Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, it is that thing, you know, and then there might be a generation who might want to go back and then government has to, you know, create that, uh, you know, uh, give a sense of belonging, create jobs, create infrastructure, this is our place, you know. But do you think there has been a lot of politicization and communalization of the Kashmiri Pandit issue and which yeah, has probably sadly, further vitiated the Sadly, sadly it has always been communalized and it, Kashmiri Pandits have been used as a card now, you know. Uh, what if? Okay, what about Kashmiri Pandits? You know, uh, governments will use. Okay, this what about Kashmiri Pandits? To uh, convenience, you know. If it's just a card, you know, nobody gives a damn. How many times has any effort made? To, to look at the Kashmiri Pandit issues or even to talk to them, you know, barring a few interviews with people and there are instances of humanity are there. But there could be so many other issues, you know. And here we are talking of half a million people in 1990. Now they are all yeah. spread across the, there is, they are neither Kashmiris now, they are not Pandits also. Because, you know, you, that sense of rootedness is demolished. I think the, the, the government thought that they are a big headache, you know. Uh, you know, let, let, let us demolish their camps. I think that was the biggest mistake. Demolish those one-room tenements, put these apartments, get them there. Instead of thinking of ways to get them back to the valley, to the valley, valley, because we will silence them. 
oh, for 10 years you have suffered in those tents, we were giving you one room tenements now. Horrif it was worse, know, yeah. it was worse, tents were better, you know. Now one room tenements and you have hope, oh, I have a better structure now. Then you get those permanent, those jagdi type, are you happy now? Be there. Yeah, it's, it's, this it's, it's is systematic, service, exactly, systematic, you know, it's killing that even desire and longing to go back. And, it, and it's become a Hindu-Muslim issue. It's, 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 become it's, a, not, it's, it's become not about your, yeah, your, your right to go back. It's yeah, absolutely. It's become a Hindu-Muslim issue. Hindu -Muslim issue. I, I think there are a large population of Kashmiri Pandits and Kashmiri Muslims who don't look upon uh, this as a Hindu-Muslim. They, the Kashmiris, these guys should get back. And there are people, that generation, who want them because they, you know, they are also dying, you know. We want them back and, you know, there is this uh, deep longing to, to, to see us, you know. Siddhartha, in terms of process, do you think it is a good idea perhaps for the government to create a certain amount of consensus building within Kashmir, say bring the mainstream parties there, um, bring pundit leaders and sort of, you know, have some sort of a um, consensus building and then not necessarily, you know, create a zone and, and sort of without really um, taking on board the yeah, other. Yeah, uh, I think in during uh, UPA time, I mean, I, I was, uh, I was part of the, uh, as member of the civil society, I got to uh, attend those interlocutor debates for a couple of years. There was a genuine effort to do that. What happened, you know, it's just a report was tabled and it was forgotten. And there were certain good insights in that report, you know, because I was part of those debates in Jammu and in Kashmir you know, as a member of the Kashmiri Pandit community, as a Kashmiri and as a writer as well, uh, nothing happened. But at, at various other levels also, there have been these, uh, you know, uh, efforts to do that, to talk. But only, we are only, only good at talking. So, what do you expect the new government to do in terms of um, uh, rehabilitating the Kashmiri Pandits? They will not do anything. But what do you want? Them I mean, uh, in 2014, uh, I remember Kashmiri. There was, I think BGP was one, you know, which which said we put it them Kashmiri pundits on the uh, their manifesto. They said we will, you know, demolition of Article 370, 35A, rehabilitation. Uh, last four years, what did they do? Nothing. In fact, I think Modi visited uh, Kashmir three four times. Yeah. He did not even have the decency to pay a visit if he is going to JNK, Ladakh, Jammu, Kash, he did not visit those camps. That's right. He did not. He did not even allocate any funding to the problems there. Which the earlier government had. Yes, did he, despite having put it in the manifesto. Yeah. If you can't do, and it is a simple thing, no compensation, not even, uh, what have they done, nothing. As a Kashmiri Pandit, where do you stand on Article 370? Not just as a Kashmiri Pandit, but as an Indian. It should not be there. I think it is the root, it is the, in the current Indian context. I mean, look at all the Indians, why should it be there? I understand there is a sense of history, yeah, that, was the, of that was the basis, you know, context in which Kashmir but there was a basis. I mean, we are going so many years, you know, but imagine, there might be more imaginative ways to look at that. Even Article 35A. Yeah. But if there is a desire within the valley to safeguard Article 370, which will ensure that the... What uh, will happen if it is lifted? What is going to happen? More violence? It is already there. I am not sure common people are but, worried about that. But as a Kashmiri Pandit, it does not really make a difference to you whether Kashmiri Pandit... It does not, it does not right, matter. So, so I am absolutely, I mean, it does not matter. I mean, it is a, it's old, it's, a, it's, it's an old uh, instrument. It should be done away with. Do you see yourself going back to Kashmir if there is an opportunity to go back to Kashmir? 
very much. I mean, the, the sad part is I, I, I sometimes go as a tourist, you know. But when I go and there are uh, my friends of mine, I have not gone since last year uh, because if I go, there will be people who will be asking me to stay with them. You know, because they know I go and I stay in a hotel, you know. Whenever you are coming, you are staying with us. It's an emotional thing for me, to be honest with you. Because I go back to my own mohalla, I go back to you my house. You still have friends there? Yeah, have very much. I still have friends there. And we end up talking about that. And I end up talking about my grandfather's generation because there are still people in our locality who, who do remember him. And who cry, you know, when, when I'm there. And that's why I don't go, because it's very heartbreaking for me, you know. And I, of course, uh, you know, if, what would I not give for, 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 for to, to, go, to go back there and to live, to settle down, you know. And how much of this personal experience reflects in your writings? I think everything, you know, every, with every day that the, 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 the memories are alive, you know. I remember each and every moment, you know, it's who I am, what has happened to me, I'm able to, because I'm able to write because what happened to me. Had that not happened to me, I may not be talking about. But my writings definitely, and I want to, you know, write more because it's only when I uh, compiled the <coughs> the two books I'm talking about, then I got to know other people's stories. I got to know about people who were from different uh, villages in Kashmir. They had different stories to tell. You know, mm -hmm. there were stories of humanity, of beauty, of dreams and desires, and then conflict, and horrifying stories of how, how they spent 20 years in in camps which yes. has tents and one room tenements imagine we go camping and we are we get fed up i mean 20 years you live and they in the hope of returning in the hope of returning that's the only thing the hope is a dangerous thing but it's a good thing we have to cling on to it you know so if not my generation maybe my children maybe my daughter my daughter you know is very conscious of who she is uh, so i hope that Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like this podcast, please rate and follow us. For regular updates, you can also follow our Twitter handle NSC with HJ or our Facebook page National Security Conversations with Happy Mon Jacob.